welcome to my dad's podcast. My blackest fan is national. Follow him on Instagram. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of My Black is Transnational. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lambert, and I'd like to thank you all for joining me for today's episode. So, I've been kind of working with themes lately. Um, last time it was Black History Month. Uh, the last four episodes kind of focused on that. Uh, these past couple episodes, I just dropped another one on the um, Afro Beats with uh, an African uh, female rapper. It's TT Lowkey, which is a good episode. You should check that out. Very fun episode. And I've been kind of deciding to just move forward with just acknowledging and having a lot of our women, transnational women, join me on the show throughout this month, um, Women's History Month, to just talk about all the great things that they're doing, especially how they've been able to activate their transnationalism to help improve or add to their passion. I think that's spectacular, but I also want to be able to continue to focus on how these transnational identities, these transnational activities among our women or those who identify as women, how they help or even limit them in their lives as far as how it helps empower them, how it helps expand on their culture, their knowledge, how it opens doors for them and access. So... I'm looking forward to having really good discussions as far as transnationalism, not just with um, with myself personally on this show, but also with other guests and different um, people who would like to join the show. And I'm also looking forward to hearing feedback from our listeners who may be transnational women who have or may not be transnational women, but want to know more about what these women are doing across the globe or just learn more about transnational women in general. All right. So. For today's episode, we'll be having a transnational woman join us, and she is uh, the founder and the uh, director, owner, the head honcho of Namaste Yoga, which is located in Ghana. Her name is Ms. Darlene Amu, and she is a great person, and she'll be talking about her experience as far as being a transnational and how her transnationalism has helped her with the promotion and the, the learning and the teaching of yoga and how she's promoting it in Ghana, in West Africa, which is predominantly a, a country in Ghana specifically that is not widely accepting to the practice of yoga because of their ethos and their their general belief as far as the association of yoga and religion. And a lot of them may most likely be Christian or Muslim in Ghana. So there's some people are averse to that, but she is fighting through to try to expand and open the minds of people who may be doubters or who may be naturally averse to yoga um, and opening their minds as far as what yoga can do as far as promoting spiritual wellness, um, which is different from religion, but also improving physical activity and physical well-being and just better health and better quality of life. So I'm very excited to have her on the show, and I think you will enjoy the conversation that she and I have 
about Ghana and transnationalism and her experience being a transnational. But before I go any further, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge Ghana for its independence. Um, happy Independence Day to all my Ghanaian brothers and sisters. Ghana, I just want to thank Ghana for what it has done, not just for Africa, but what it's done for the world and all the great Ghanaians that are out there in the world and what they're doing to make it a better place. Ghana is my cousin country. It's the father, I mean, it's the, the land of my mother, I should say. Um, and I, I really believe it's a beautiful place. I've been there a couple of times and I love it. I always say that I'll retire in Ghana, but I'll work for Nigeria. So I'm very proud to be affiliated and related to this particular country. All right. So with that being said, if this is your first time listening to my Black is Transnational, not only will you notice that I ramble a lot, but you also notice that I always go through some type of formal things, housekeeping things that we should do in order to keep the show going. So if this is your first time listening to it, you can download this podcast on all your favorite listening podcast apps, Apple, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. It's available there. And I always ask that you please download, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast I really love and I value your feedback. If you have or you prefer to email me, you can email me at blacktransnational17 at gmail.com. If you happen to be listening to this podcast on the Anchor app, which is the primary, this the, the flagship app that I use to record this show, the link is always on my Instagram app. If you're listening to it on Anchor, you can leave a voice message. There's a voice message feature where you can actually leave a voice message for me with any feedback you have. So I'd really love to hear your voice, and I could possibly use it on the show one day to kind of just share with the other listeners, especially if it has something powerful to share. Um, thanks to those who have left feedback and re- rated and reviewed the podcast or even subscribe it. Really appreciate your words of encouragement and your words of criticism because it's making me a better host um, and making the show a better show. And we've grown from the first episode till now. So I'm very grateful for all your support. I'm also on Instagram, so you can follow me at Black Transnational underscore. I have been encouraged by members of my my conglomerate, my uh, my inner circle, to create a Twitter. So I will be creating a Twitter that will be available come next episode. Um, but I'm not. I'm very resistant to Facebook for now. But we're working through it, um, and we'll get there soon. But that's pretty much all the formalities said. Again, I am very excited to have Miss Amu on the show. I think you really enjoy all the things she has to say. And please, please, please make sure you leave your feedback, all right? So, without any further ado, here we go with the interview. Welcome to My Black is Transnational, and today we have on our special guest, who is a self-proclaimed transnational. Um, She has her own yoga studio and is a businesswoman and just a a health enthusiast. We have Ms. Darlene Amu. All the way in Ghana, my sister, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be a part of your show. And, and we're very excited to have you on the show. So being all the way in Ghana, just if you could take a moment to just introduce yourselves to our listeners, because I know they'll be excited to know what you do and, and, and what your passion is. Um. Okay. So my name Stalin Amo and I moved to Ghana three years ago. 
I'm a yoga instructor and I just opened up my yoga studio in Ghana. It's a very little cute studio and we can't wait to have you there to come and practice as well. <laughs> yes, I'm be excited to, to, to be there. I know our listeners, whoever goes to Ghana, whenever they go to Ghana, will be sure to try to find your studio. So what motivated you to want to move back to Ghana? We'll talk about your experience in America later on, but I want to know what what moved you to go to Ghana to want to open up the studio? Okay, so um, I lived in the States for about 10 years. I lived in Chicago, Illinois, but I was born and raised in Ghana. So um, after school, I just decided that I wanted to move back home to give back and help. And America has it all. And I think Africa is now growing. So I thought my effort being back and having to put my effort in to help Africa grow, it would be best for me to move back home. So that's how I moved home. Oh, wow. So then why yoga? Why yoga? Can you tell me about that? What got you um, into that? So a few years ago, um, I got uh, a pituitary tumor. Um, they call it prolactinoma. Mm. And before I had to do surgery, I was like researching on things that could like calm me down, things that could, because I was already like going to the gym and I was already like fit and healthy. But my mind wasn't like at peace because when you hear like a brain tumor, you think, hey, they're going to like split your head into two and mm -hmm. take out the tumor and stuff. So your mind would be like all over the place. And then a friend recommended yoga to me. But my first class of like meditation was a bit weird where you're sitting and letting your thoughts like just run your mind and stuff like that. But after like three, four classes, I just began to like love it. And I started to like, just be at peace with myself and I always felt like refreshed and rejuvenated anytime I went for like a yoga class at least after the first two hours I was just like calm and I could like reassure myself that everything was going to be fine so um after a while I took up um after my surgery and everything I, I was still doing yoga and I felt like this was something I would love to share with everyone, like the way I felt, because it wasn't something I could explain to people. Like when people ask me, what is yoga? I cannot explain it to them because yoga is a state of mind mm. and you have to experience it to know what that state of mind is for you because everybody and what brings them to the mat. So um, I just wanted everybody to experience it because anytime anyone asks me, how it felt i couldn't explain it to them because it's something that you have to experience and that was what motivated me to get into yoga wow that's beautiful so and i love the way you frame it as yoga is just not a thing you do it's an experience that you have to feel and go through and so then what what about those who feel like yoga is just something that's very easy? You just go there and stretch and you just pose and you do these things. Is that what it all is um, composed of or is there more to that yoga experience? Can okay, you so, 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 so like I said earlier to you, yoga is a state of mind. Mm -hmm. But usually when, when someone says yoga, the first thing that comes in someone's mind is, oh, the yoga poses and maybe a headstand mm -hmm. or maybe you can lev levitate and stuff. Right. But, <laughs> but yoga isn't any of that, even though in yoga you can achieve the poses. 
yoga is a state of mind in the sense that you can be in a meditative form you can be um, you can be able to absorb things easily you can be able to work with your mind because a lot of the time we allow our minds to take over us but the more you come into yoga the more you realize that is nothing about the poses but more to do with getting to be more self aware and trying where and trying to be present but what is being present is what a lot of people don't know mm. being present is being where as you allowing your mind to be wherever your body is yeah because a lot of the times we have conversations with people or we are somewhere but our mind is probably at home our mind is somewhere else our mind is not where our body is yeah. but with yoga it helps you to be present where you are and also try to to appreciate where you are because a lot of time people be like oh if i become like a billionaire or if i have 2 million dollars i'm going to be happy but guess what you get that 2 million dollars and you be wanting to get a billion dollars mm. so nothing nothing ever satisfies you because you you're wanting more and more and more but once you learn how to appreciate the present moment which is your now when your billion dollars comes you would even appreciate it more or even if it doesn't come you still you still live your life so i want to also follow up with that response to ask you then so now you have your you have your studio opened yes. up in Ghana how has it been received being back home okay so yoga as compared to um in the states like here in Ghana it's now catching up very slowly but people are coming for yoga classes because they now understand what yoga is um in the beginning people used to um associate yoga with like a religion and here in Ghana religion is really important where we have like christians and muslims and people think if they practice yoga is going to take them away from their religion mm. so there's a misconception about what yoga is here some people have to even hide to come for yoga because if their parents find out that they're doing yoga it's going to be frowned upon mm. So people are now getting used to it and they are enjoying it even though it's the physical that attracts them to to their class but later on they realize that is more than just the physical aspect so it's 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 catching up slowly we hope in a few years to come a lot of people will get to know what yoga is and would know that it has nothing to do with your religion i am muslim and i and and i pray i practice my islam religion but it doesn't move me away from yoga i feel like with every religion it's the one good which is to be good to everybody and yourself in the world mm-hmm. so i don't think i don't think like picking up a bible to read a bible is going to take me away from islam right neither do i think um practicing yoga is going to take me away from islam i just feel like the more you expand your knowledge the more you are able to understand life and what life is for you mm-hmm. and just you because people can't define what life is for you because mm. you won't know what life is for yourself because you're still living other people's dreams or doing what other people want you to do yeah that's i agree with that because i think sometimes as a um as a society as a world we tend we tend to confuse spirituality and religion 
as the same thing and sometimes it's not i think spirituality is defined as one trying to find your own purpose and trying to understand what your life is about and what it means and how to carve out your own path while religion is a completely different thing that includes spirituality sometimes but i think people tend to get that confused so i definitely can see um how it, it can be misconceived in in ghana as well so now what is the age range of most of the people who are participating in yoga in ghana are they younger are they older what is what is the group normally um, it's, it's, it's a mix it's a mixture and you'd be surprised like my oldest client is about 57 and my youngest client is about 18 years old oh wow so it's it's yeah it's a mix it's a mixed range I w- i'm honestly surprised because i would have guessed that it would have been the younger um, and a lot of the older people would not have been open to it, but that seems to surprise me that you have someone that's 57 years old participating in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people that also pr- practice the yoga are people that like have traveled out of Ghana and have been abroad and understand like what yoga is. We have like a huge expat uh, community here, mm-hmm. so it's more of it's, it's more of them coming to class. So what I'm trying to do is to open up the doors for uh, young Ghanaians and old Ghanaians who do not know what yoga is. So we are opening our doors. I told you about the Yoga Give Back movement, which we're going to be opening our doors to everyone once a month. Um, We can host at least 15 people once a month to let them um, have a try of the yoga and have a feel of it and know that it has nothing to do with their religion. So we are trying to get more Ghanaians and not just the people that have traveled out and understand yoga to do yoga. Um, yoga is not, uh, it's not a practice just for the elitists. Mm. It's a practice for everyone. Mm. And we want to be able to let everybody here understand that because when they hear yoga, they're like, mm, Oh, I don't have money to come. I don't, I don't, I don't think yoga is for me. I can't bend. I can't do this. I can't do that. But we want the I, I can't to be can. So yeah. we're opening up our doors to them to come and try it. Our first session is going to be on the 23rd of March, which we already have a full class already. And wow. I, I, would, I would let you know how that goes and share some pictures with you so that you can probably put it in our podcast um, pictures as well absolutely i would love for you to share with us what you know what the results were so we can share that with the rest of our listeners who may be curious to find out how um things went and there might be some in ghana as well who may actually participate so that's really awesome i'm really excited about that and it seems like you're now trying to pull not just the those who are educated and aware but those who are locals who may have no idea and that seems to be a way that you're promoting um you're promoting yoga but also promoting health right yes Okay. Yes. So we can kind of we can kind of uh, shift gears now, and I want to talk a little bit about because it is Women's History Month. I want to acknowledge what you're doing as far as promoting health from a transnational standpoint. And I have to ask before I talk about life in the states, being a woman opening up this studio is this something that was expected because you are a woman, or is this something that people are still looking down upon or looking up to? I want to know what your experience is like being a woman in Africa opening up the studio, going about exploring your passion? So being being a woman in Africa is, um, it's, it's a bit, I wouldn't say it's tough, but it's a, it's, it's very different from being a woman in, in, in the States where you're able to do anything and anything that you want. 
um, not to say you can't do anything or be anything you want here, but it's it's more flexible to be anything you want to be in in um, in the states. Mm. Um, when I was opening up the studio, it wasn't really difficult because I had like the support system. Um, my husband was really supportive. I already built a clientele, which I, um, I used to teach home every weekend, but I wanted to move um, the studio out from the house mm-hmm. and take it to a place where I could teach every single day and not just on Saturdays because yoga is a consistent practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say it was a bit, it was a little difficult when it came to like the workers because most of like the workers were um, very non-challenged mm-hmm. in the sense that they don't take, um, they don't take women serious. It was just when, it, it was just when my husband steps in that they would take things serious. But if it's just like up to me, they would look at me like, oh, she's a woman. And so like, we can do whatever we want. Mm. But I think um, it's going to take a while for that to change. Um, I, I had to let people understand that it was money that was being paid to them and it wasn't a favor that people were doing for you. And you always had to like explain that to them. But also, um, I came to a point to realize that um, it's also our upbringing here in Africa where, um, where men were always seen as superior, like you're home with your sibling and you're a woman. And you had to do dishes, do um, cook, um, do laundry and stuff where the guys were just sitting, watching video games, watching movies, doing mm-hmm. whatever they wanted to do, play football. And when the food was ready, they were going to call them to come in and come and eat. So people grow up with that sense that women are, I don't say less than men, but women as, are not as important as men are. And I also had to understand that everybody's upbringing was different in terms of how we were raised. We were raised to we were raised to be fearful of authority. Mm. And when I say authority, I mean we were raised to fear our parents in some homes. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't go out to probably go buy an egg and the egg cracked on the floor. You had to come back to come and say a lie you know because mm-hmm. if you said the truth that it fell you are going to be whooped so people grow up and they cannot express or explain themselves. like for instance if um my painter couldn't come to work and he just had to tell me oh i couldn't come he would say oh i'll be there in four hours in four hours he said i'll be there in the next hour and then later on he, he won't show up and then when you call him he'd be like oh i had something else to do but then you have to understand them because this is how they were raised they were raised to not really be themselves and be able to express themselves well because you were always disciplined when it came to you doing something wrong. Mm. So people grow, it's only, it's only a few people that get enlightened and know that, oh, it's best for me to tell if I cannot make it this time, it's best for me to tell that I could make it at three instead of saying I could make it at 12, you know? So um, you have to understand all that, 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 that the upbringing is different as well. Yeah, no, I, and I appreciate you kind of describing that for our listeners. I can relate to a lot of the things that you mentioned, but I think some of our listeners are starting to become more enlightened. So then how does that differ from when you were in America? So in, in America, my experience in America was very different because in America, 
I had to understand that I was a black woman. Mm. And I had to understand what it meant to be a black woman as compared to Ghana, what it meant to be a woman. Mm. So um, my experience in America was a bit different. I mean, America, if you have your money and you want someone to work for you, they'll work for you regardless if you're a woman or a man, so far as you're paying for the services and they'll provide it and provide it well. But when it comes to being a black woman in America, like for instance, when I first moved to the state, I didn't know that um, as a black woman, you needed to um, you needed to work harder, you needed to prove yourself as compared to when you're here in Ghana that you don't need to um, you don't need to go to the shop and feel like there are people watching you because you're black and they think that you still. Mm. But in America, you cannot just walk in the store and maybe wearing a big jacket as a black woman and walking in the store. You definitely have someone following you or before you walk out of the store, they are going to tell you they needed to check your bag or check you to make sure you didn't take anything. So it, it's two different experiences when it comes to being a woman in both America and in Ghana. Because in Ghana, you're just looking at it as just a woman without um, without race. Whereby in America, you're looking at yourself being a woman and being racial pro- uh, profiled. Yeah. So what do you think were the, what do you think for you being a transnational, uh, being living both in the States and in Ghana, what, what were in your experiences some of the benefits, the pros and cons, I should say, of living in both worlds? Okay, so when it comes to living in America, I mean, I love America. America made me who I am. Um, not to say Ghana didn't make me who I am. America did make me who I am because I I, I, I spent most of my, um, let me say, adult, like growing up from being a teenager to trans, transcending into um, an adult in America. So I usually say, oh, America did make me who I am. But living in Ghana is it's good as well because um, then I can contribute to a, a growing nation. Mm. Um, I would say the, I'll say what I love best about America is like the healthcare system where um, your insurance covers like most of your things for you and you can go to the hospital to just do like a checkup and preventive, um, preventive uh, measures are taken very seriously in the states mm-hmm. as compared to like here in Ghana so you can just go for a checkup and make sure everything is right I mean in Ghana now they're really advocating for preventive measures That's as good. compared to like before but um, in America preventive measures are what they advocate for and more so you can go for a checkup make sure you see like your, uh, your primary care doctor um, Every once a while, every once a while, maybe once a month or twice a month, three times a month. I love healthcare. I love the fact that you have access to um, healthy meal, healthy meal, and healthy grocery stores at any time, and the prices are not so ridiculous as compared to here, where they import a lot of the stuff. For instance, like strawberries will cost you about. Um, maybe six dollars to get here and then they count it yeah and then um in america you get like strawberries in a pack like big pack for like maybe two dollars or 2.99 you know Mm -hmm. so it's every every everywhere has like its benefit and then it's um it's flaws as well 
So it's saying, so what I'm hearing is that you get more access to things here in the United States. It's easier to access yes. goods and services compared to yes. in Ghana. Okay, so yeah. from your experience, because I know you have a health background um, when you went to school here in the U.S. and now living in Ghana, what do you think is an important need for Ghanaians there? What is a huge determinant of health there and, and, a, and a need for Ghanaians in order to improve their health overall? Um, I, I think health is catching up here in Ghana. I mean, compared to like some few years ago where we had few hospitals around, um, now we are having like more hospitals. As I said earlier, they are advocating for preventive measures as well, where people can now go and tell the doctor, oh, my head is aching. And then they'll do like scans and stuff to make sure that it's nothing um, deadly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like um, I, I I don't I, I don't have a, I don't have a, um, an insurance here where I use, so I don't know about the insurance system here. Um, but I I know that. Um, I don't. I don't know if it's that great. I can't say it's not great, <laughs> but I don't know how the health. I don't know how the healthcare system here is because usually when I'm not well, since I have like all my stuff in America, I just fly over and come, and that's because I have access to that, and then come and get checked in in the states because they have all my records and stuff. So I go to the States a lot for my checkups. And and that's because I had the um, prolactinoma and the tumor in my head. Mm-hmm. So I can't really say much, but I just feel like healthcare can get better where um, they started advocating for preventive measures, which is more important. Um, how people should diet and stuff. Like our diet here is contained of... Um, more carbohydrates mm-hmm. <laughs> so people eat a lot of carbs um, they don't eat so much salads and smoothies and fruits they do have some fruits but um, a high percentage of their diet contains carbohydrates and carbohydrates has a lot of starch and sugar in it so people gain weight yeah. um, people have started going to the gym but I mean if you're still eating your high carbohydrate diet you're still not going to lose any weight. You're still going to be prone to all these diseases like high blood pressure, heart attacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping with yoga or through yoga, we can um, educate people and eating well as well. Um, people see you having like a figure eight and everybody be like, oh, I want it. But it's hard work. It's eating right. It's being consistent. Um, so, yeah. One of the things I always worry about when it comes to people who've lived in America for a long time and then coming back home to, you know, to Africa is the adjustment period. So after living in America, in the States, as we've been calling it, for so long and then moving back, knowing that you've been exposed to this new culture, these different ways of life, good or bad, how was it for you to adjust back to living in Ghana? What was that process like for you? So when I moved back, I worked for a few companies um, before I opened my own yoga studio and started working for myself. Um, It was a bit challenging because, um, like I said, people are very nonchalant in Africa. Mm 
Mm. Um, once the business is not for them, they don't care how the business is run. Mm. People are just waiting to get their salaries at the end of the month and, and then call it a day. Mm. Um, so it was really difficult. It was really difficult knowing that people didn't really care. Not everyone, but like most people didn't care. There were a few people that really loved what they were doing, but I saw that majority of people didn't love what they were doing and they were, they were just there because of the paycheck. So, um, whereas in, in, in the States, I mean, you'd still have people who do not care, but it's not that much because you know that your job is at stake and they can let you go at any time. Um, with Ghana as well, it's like who you know and the job you get. So you can apply to thousands, thousands of jobs where you are qualified to do, but you're not going to get called if you don't know someone at the front desk mm -hmm. or you don't know someone at the back office. Mm -hmm. So those are the things. Whereas in America, you apply for a job, they call you for an interview, whether you know front desk, back desk, they don't care. So far as you don't qualify for the job, you're not going to get the job. Mm -hmm. So those were some of the things and the non-challenge about people's behaviors as well. It was very frustrating sometimes because you know that this has to be done in a certain way and people are doing it different ways. Yeah. Um, some of the bosses get very abusive where in the States you can actually sue your boss for being abusive towards you. Um, in Ghana, you can't sue anyone. <laughs> you can sue, but it's going to be a very long process. And I'm sure you're going to redraw your case with time. Mm. But those are the two different, two different um, experiences. Yeah. So, so now I'll, I'll kind of shift the conversation just a little bit because you mentioned your experience as far as being a black woman in the United States. And I found it yes. to be very interesting and remarkable because... Um, this part of this show, part of the agenda of this particular show is to talk about how the relationship between Africans and African Americans across the globe as far as reconnecting with one another. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what your experience was like as far as interacting with Native African Americans and what that process was like for you. Um, my relationship with Native African Americans were, it wasn't that bad. Um, it wasn't that bad in the sense that um, I didn't really have like a lot of friends. My friends were just um, like my classmates in mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. um, not to say I, I'm introvert or anything, but um, I usually kept myself in school. But I did have like a few um, Native African American friends who were very intelligent mm -hmm. and very smart and they were open-minded as well. Where I used to have issues were like in the shops where uh, African Americans uh, would behave in a certain way and just because you're black, they put you all in the same category. Mm -hmm. You know, like all of you are the same. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you cannot even blame all these shops owners and all these police to doing some of the things that they do, you know? Um, and it's just because of how some of these native black Americans act. And mm. um, we were brought up in a very disciplined way. I'm not saying they are not disciplined, but um, they were raised to be free and do whatever they want to do. So um, it was... 
I mean, my interactions with them wasn't that much, mm -hmm. but the few people I interacted with was okay. It's funny you say that because it seems to be, that seems to be the trend, um, especially from a lot of us immigrants. We tend to just find our own people and people, a lot of people don't know the separation that exists between both communities. I think sometimes from the outside looking in, they think, they seem to think that because we're all the same, we're all black. Um, so therefore we all behave the same, but there are two different cultures, right? Mm-hmm. And, there are two yeah. different cultures. Yeah, so they're, they're two different cultures. So it just seems like, I mean, there seems to be that separation and you seem to have minimal contact. So what do you think we can do as far as being able to have a better relationship with African-Americans, in your opinion? Um, I think enlightenment is one's own, um, one's own choice and decision. I mean, mm. as they say, you can, you can take the horse to the... Um, to the riverside but you can't force the horse to drink that water mm -hmm. um i feel like once they are ready to be enlightened you can say all that you want to say but once they're ready they would <laughs> they would come and 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 also experience what we experience here or see africa for what it is because some of them don't know africa some of them have never traveled outside even estates that they live in. Right. So they don't know what outside what outside of the state, let's say in Chicago, looks like. Some people live in the south side of Chicago and I've never even been to the north side or been downtown before. Mm -hmm. And these are not things that you can help them with till they want to help themselves. Mm. So someone was to, someone was African American and they were to come to Ghana looking to reconnect with Africa and just find home. How would you how would you welcome them? Would you welcome them? Yes, I would, of course. I would welcome them. Um Ghana is a place where everybody feels at home because <laughs> nobody's looking at race. Everybody would be more than happy and glad to help any foreigner once they enter our country. Um and I don't think they're going to feel even uncomfortable or they're going to be racially profiled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you think is the future now for Namaste Yoga in Ghana? And do you plan on making it a transnational thing or do you just plan on keeping it in Ghana? I just want to know a little bit more about what you're looking forward to in your future. Um. So Namaste Yoga is my yoga page on Instagram. My yoga studio is called the Yoga Studio. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, okay. Because I know I follow that page as well, too. Yeah. And I wasn't yeah. sure if that was just called the Yoga Studio or Namaste Yoga. So I apologize no. to all my listeners it's and to okay. you. <laughs> it's okay. It's called the Yoga Studio um, Accra. And we, we, we plan on, I mean, I, I do take up classes. I mean, when I'm in Chicago, I do teach classes. So, mm -hmm. yeah. We plan on going transnational with um, the yoga studio. Everybody knows me at Namaste Yoga, so it's okay. Okay, because I was I feel bad. <laughs> no, it's fine. When's the next time you're coming to the states, and how often do you come to the United States now that you live in Ghana officially relocated? Um, I'm I'll be back in the states in the summertime. So sometimes when I'm in the states in the summertime, I I teach classes. Um. But usually I also love to be a student. So I go to like um, Call Power Yoga in Chicago and I take up classes there as well. And sometimes I'm in the States to also um, add to my teacher training. 
And right now I have 300 hours of teacher training. I'm trying to get to 500 hours so that I can start um, maybe hopefully open my um, yoga teacher school where I can teach people to be certified yoga instructors as well. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, I'm looking forward to all the great things that you're going to do. And I, and I believe that in the next 5, 10, 15 years, I think a lot of us uh, will be able to educate our fellow countrymen and women um, in Ghana and Nigeria and in West Africa and Africa all over the world about the importance of yoga and health and, and just being present, as you said. And I think everyone should at least once in their life experience yoga. I, I tried yoga. I took it for granted because I thought it was a very easy thing. And it's not. It's not easy at all. Like, I had to do some type of pose called, like, the pigeon. It was oh, painful. Oh, the pigeon pose. Oh, my. Yeah, you know. The, well, of course you know the pigeon pose. It was something special. I just couldn't make it across. It was... It's a... The, the pigeon pose is a hip open pose. Yeah. It's a hip, hip opener pose. So if you have tight um, hip opening or tight arm strings in between um, your thigh and Ooh. your uh, and behind your thigh as well, um, yeah. it's going to be difficult for you. For you. Uh, um, a lot of people that are in the gym tend to have very stiff hips. So things that has to do with the hips becomes very difficult for them and the thing about yoga too is once you're not um you're not adding breath to whatever you're doing and you're just thinking about the poses it's not going to come to you you're going to say it's hard like you said it's very hard that's because you were concentrating on the pose right. instead of breathing to allow your breath to aid you into the pose yeah and i'm, I'm i learned that towards the end of course after feeling the pain <laughs> You know, as I seen looking at the person next to me, I'm just like, she became a pigeon, and I don't know how she became a pigeon. <laughs> but me, I'm I'm pigeon. stuck, right? Like, but I but I'm learning, and I know that's something. My wife and I we plan on definitely picking up yoga and adding that because a lot of athletes, a lot of people who are very fit, they're starting to add yoga into their regimen, not just for the physical benefits, but also for what it does to them as far as mentally being there, being present, being poised in the moment. Um, and just being able to maintain your breathing and be, be able to have control of your entire body. So I, I, I'm, we're going to have to end here, but I just want to thank you so much for, for taking the time all the way in Ghana. What time is it over there? Like what? Three, four? Um, it's three o'clock. Yeah. 3 so PM. We're like, you know, three, four hours ahead. And, um, and you took the time to join the show. Just very grateful. We'll definitely make sure to put your um, the information for the yoga studio in Accra. We'll make sure to put that on there, uh, so all our listeners and all your followers will be able to um, to just continue to support you and your growth. And is there anything that we can do here on My Blackest Transnational to help support you? Please don't hesitate to let me know. Um, we're very excited for your growth. And we just can support and congratulate you as an African transnational woman um, for what you're doing. And uh, we salute you for that. Thank you so much. And I, and, and I really appreciate you taking time to interview me. Yeah, Thank of course. You. you know, we're not, we, we're here for, we're here to, to raise everyone's awareness about great people doing great things. So I wasn't going to do this show without having you on the show at some point in my life. So I'm, I'm, it, was, it was on my checklist of things to do. And I'm glad we got it done. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you have a good one. You too. All right. Bye-bye.
that's going to do it for this episode of My Black is Transnational. Special thanks to our guest, Ms. Amu, for joining us all the way from Ghana to talk about her transnational experiences and her passions for yoga and health. You can follow her on Instagram at NamasteYogaGH, or you can check out her studio's Instagram page at The Yoga Studio Accra. If you want to leave any feedback about this episode, you can shoot me an email at blacktransnational17 at gmail.com, or you can shoot me a DM on my Instagram page at blacktransnational underscore. If you want to download and subscribe to this podcast, you can find it on all your favorite podcast listening apps. So please make sure to download, subscribe, and review this podcast. I really love your feedback. Until then, looking forward to talking to you again the next time. But for now, we'll say farewell. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lambert. My black is transnational. And I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Peace.